uh, I want to welcome everybody at the Eden Campus. Thank you guys for coming today and being with us. I want to welcome everybody at the River Campus. I want to say hello to all of you uh, that are at the River Campus. And by the way, guys, our River Campus is really growing. To God be the glory for that. I want to welcome you. Thank you for uh, being involved with us at the River Campus. I want to thank everybody uh, that watches us online and those that are listening by radio. I want to tell you that we're right in the middle or we're in the beginning part of a new series that God led on my heart uh, to begin to speak on called Painkillers. Everybody say that. What is it? Painkillers. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was on the radio and they were interviewing me. And uh, they were about to introduce me on this series. And, and, and the, the lady that was the DJ there said, we want to welcome Brother Jackie. He's pushing painkillers. And I went, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that, y'all. I'm really not doing that. And I thought, wow, that's not a good introduction. But uh, immediately, when you think about painkillers, immediately your mind goes to narcotics or alcohol or whatever. And uh, uh, certainly our mind has been trained to think about painkillers in that realm, uh, that when we hear the word, we think about a pill or something. But what we've learned in this series so far is that there are a lot of painkillers that, uh, that people run to. That is, when they're hurting, where do they go? Where do they run when they've really got a lot of pain in their life? And we've learned that painkillers that people run to uh, that are not drugs or narcotics. Uh, if you run to the wrong place, it can be just as devastating and just as addictive as, uh, as the narcotics that we talk about so much. Uh, they were talking to me the other day, and they said, Brother Jackie, we've got, a, we've got a problem, a drug problem in our country. And, and we know that. <clears throat> we know that there's some real problems going on with that. But I said to them, no, I think what we got more of is we got a pain problem. That everywhere you go, people are hurting. It doesn't matter if it's in church or out of church. Uh, everywhere you go, there are people that are struggling with pain. And they don't know where to turn to. They don't know what to do with the pain they got, especially us church folks. Because we say, you know what, uh, we would never maybe not get involved in, in taking pills or, or drinking or whatever. But man, where do you go when you're hurting? What do you do when you're struggling and your heart is breaking and you don't know what to do? God has led me to speak on some of those uh, topics that a lot of people run to when they got problems. And it's not drugs or alcohol, but where do you go when you're hurting? Where do you run when you're hurting so bad that your world is turning upside down and you don't know what to do? Where do you run to? What do you do when you feel like crying but nobody will ever understand? What do you do when you go to sleep at night and you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm struggling here, and I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do with this pain I've got. And I want you to write this down. Everybody that runs from something always runs to something. No matter who you are, when you're hurting, you want to get away from it. You don't want the pain. You don't want to be a part of that. And so people that run from something always run to something. And we've identified, if you look around our church, you're going to see all these people with T-shirts on, and, and they're wearing the shirt, and you can get one if you want to, but it says on the front of the shirt, real pain, real people, real Jesus. And on the back of the shirt, it says painkillers. Because what I want to do in this series is I just want to be real with you. I don't want to, I don't want to come out here and say, i got all the answers. I don't, want to, I don't want to send that message because your pain is different than my pain. Your hurt is different than my hurt. And it's so easy to go to church with some preacher and he say to you, you know what, what you need to do is go to church. You're thinking, man, I haven't been there. I don't, I, I didn't work, it didn't work for me. Or somebody to say, what you got to do is read your Bible. And you're thinking, man, I've read my Bible and I'm still in pain. Or somebody say, we well, got to pray. You know, it's so easy to put a canned answer together. That we say, well, just come to the altar and you'll be fixed. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that have cried their eyes out at this altar. And they're struggling, and they don't know what to do with their life. But what we've got to learn in this series is, what do we do when we're having pain? And the painkiller thing is a big deal. And so last Sunday, we talked about the first thing that we identified, and you may want to write this down, is that a lot of people run into isolation when, they, when they're hurt. Uh, they go into this place to be alone, and, <clears throat> and we talked about that last Sunday. How that, when you got pain, a lot of times you'll run into isolation. 
And you'll just, now there's a difference in being, versus being alone and being in isolation. Because when you go into isolation, that's when the enemy puts you in as a prisoner. And what happens is, in this isolation, he cuts you off from the herd. And the Bible says that we have an enemy. He's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So there's people when they get hurt or they go through pain in their life, they say, well, I'm just going to stay away from church. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get away from church. Listen, we need each other. We need to be together because God created us as a community. And God created us so that we can have relationships, healthy relationships. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. And the Bible tells us that we are a body and we're joined together and the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. So we need each other. We need each other when we're going through pain and we're suffering and we're struggling. So last Sunday, we talked about how that the devil will set you up in isolation to destroy you. And if you're one of those people that run to isolation, uh, that's a painkiller for you. And it's not a healthy place for you to be. But today, we're going to talk about something that's entirely different. Where do people run when they're hurting? And there's a lot of people that run into inappropriate relationships. Can I get an amen? amen. Everybody say those two words with me, everybody. Let me, let me hear you say it while I drink water like bunch. Are you ready? Here we go. <clears throat> Will y'all do it again while I get a second drink? <clears throat> now, I want you to understand that, <clears throat> that the very thought of that in and of itself, indicates that there is a such thing as appropriate relationships. That, that God sets us up. God tells us how to have an appropriate relationship with our wife and our husband or our friends or our family or bosses or whatever. But there is a such thing as an inappropriate relationship. And painkiller, there's a lot of people that uh, when they're going through pain, they, they, they got in inappropriate relationships. And many, many, many people have found themselves in a time when they were in pain, falling victim to inappropriate relationships, only to come to realize <clears throat> that they, the, the relationship they ran into caused them more pain than where they were. They run from one relationship to the other relationship, and all of us know about somebody that's been in an inappropriate relationship. Much damage has been done. <clears throat> There's been families that have been torn apart. Churches have been torn apart. Uh, we see that over and over and over again. And many tears have been cried. People have cried their eyes out. And much hurt and much pain has been caused to ourselves and to our spouses and to our kids. And much regret, I can't tell you, <clears throat> how many people I've heard say this to me. I wish I hadn't have done that. I, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't have done that. I've had people say, man, you know what, Brother Jack, I dropped my guard. I just dropped my guard. There's people that said, you know what, I shouldn't have ever flirted. I shouldn't have made that phone call. I shouldn't have stopped by that office. I shouldn't have went that way. And I've had people tell me over and over and over again, Brother Jack, I wish I hadn't have done that. But God in the Word of God has set up boundaries for us to have appropriate relationship. And I want you to remember this. Write this down. Inappropriate relationships can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. For example, <clears throat> did you know that uh, you can have a, uh, what is an inappropriate relationship? Okay, I'm just going to get raw with you. Are you okay? Y'all okay today? Say amen. amen. Sex outside of marriage is an inappropriate relationship. People that are living together, having sexual intimacy outside of marriage, that's inappropriate according to the Word of God. Now, we're living in a world today that says, oh, yeah, that's okay. I don't care what the world says. That's wrong. God says don't do that. The Bible says that marriage is honorable and the marriage bed is honorable. But anything outside that, God calls fornication and adultery. So when you're committing sex outside of the marriage covenant, it's inappropriate. And I'm not going to be popular, <clears throat> but I'm going to tell it like it is. Gay and lesbian relationships are inappropriate relationships. God never intended for it to be appropriate. It's regulated by the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Abusive relationships are inappropriate relationships. Homosexuality, un healthy friendships or inappropriate relationships 
Are y'all ready for this one, y'all? Can y'all hear me okay? Are you ready for this one? Some guy in Alabama, are y'all ready for this? In, in, in Adiana married his computer. Can I just tell y'all that's an inappropriate relationship? <clears throat> he went to Mexico and married his computer. Are you, look, are y'all, look at me. Can I tell y'all this? He's an idiot. Can I get an amen? He, he married his computer in, in New Mexico. This is the God honest truth, y'all. Y'all look at me like you're making that up. No, I'm not. I couldn't make up something that crazy. It's in the news, y'all. He married his computer in New Mexico, come back to Alabama, and wanted some guy to make his computer a wedding cake. And the guy refused to make it. He brought a lawsuit against them. He wanted to Alabama to recognize his marriage to his computer, and the state of Alabama, thank God, would not approve of somebody marrying their computer. But watch this. <clears throat> Somebody smarter than I was came up with a defense on why they shouldn't do that. Somebody said the computer has to be 15 years or older for it to be appropriate. <clears throat> so here's the deal. If you're thinking about marrying your computer, it can't be underage, y'all, in the state of Alabama. And watch, there's people doing that, man. There's people that are crazy, people that are running all kinds of things. People have inappropriate relationship with their, with their cell phones. You know, they're, they're checked out, man. I went by a church not long ago, and it had this sign on there. Are you spending more time with your cell phone than you are with the Word of God? And I went, why did they have to put that on the screen? Because it convicted me. And I thought, you know what? I spend more time doing that than I do reading my Bible. And I thought, well, that's a, not an appropriate relationship. So today, I want to talk to you about that. Are y'all ready? Say amen. amen. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, don't get mad at me. He's just trying to help you. That's all I'm trying to do. <clears throat> Take your Bible, turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. And the Word of God says this in chapter 1, beginning in verse number 13. Let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. Why? Because God is holy. And God cannot tempt us with evil because God has no evil in him. But every man is what? Tempted how? Say it with me. When he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Now James is writing here, and he's trying to get us to understand the process that we go through as people, and by the way, when it talks about a man, it's not talking about the gender of male. It's talking about man as a creation. <clears throat> In other words, it's talking about men and women that are created in the image of God. And the Bible says, let no person say when they're tempted, they're tempted of God. But all of us are tempted. Every one of us are tempted when we're drawn away of our own lust. So the first thing I want us to look at today is the chase of inappropriate relationships. The chase of it. How in the world does it happen? How do you get sucked into that when you're hurting? And there are so many people that, man, they, they start hurting and they, they get sucked into this inappropriate relationship. So what is the chase of it? First of all, I want you to write down about four things. First of all, it can be very demonic. The Bible says, let no man say when he's tempted, he's tempted of God. Indicating that God doesn't do that. So when we look at the chase of an inappropriate relationship, and you're in pain and you're hurting, don't be surprised that the devil doesn't dangle a carrot. Don't be surprised that the devil doesn't get hard after you to destroy your life. So it can be very demonic. Secondly, it can be unfulfilled needs. <clears throat> the Bible says that we're drawn away of our own lust. And what does that mean? It means that we would do this. We would say, well, my needs are not being met. I need somebody to talk to me. He's not talking to me. I need somebody to take care of me. She's not taking care of me. 
I got a need in my life that's not being met. And because of that, I'm hurting. I'm lonely. I, I need this. So unfulfilled needs can cause you to be chased in regards to inappropriate relationships. And then thirdly, misplaced affection. <clears throat> somebody gives you a little bit of time, somebody gives you a little bit of attention, and you open your heart up to them. And all of a sudden, I've heard it over and over and over again. It didn't just start off as an inappropriate relationship. We just were talking. We were just, uh, and then all of a sudden, you're talking, and they're going, I understand. And they're stroking your hand. And they're talking to you, and you're thinking, man, and all of a sudden, watch this. You open your heart a little bit. And when you open your heart a little bit, that, that misplaced affection that shouldn't be there all of a sudden is there. And then fourthly, it's the thrill of the kill. There's a lot of people that just wants another notch on their belt. You know, they just want to kind of mark it up as, <clears throat> man, I, 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 I got the kill. And so all of a sudden, it's the chase of that relationship. And, and don't be surprised if when you're hurting, the devil doesn't set you up for that. That he will see that you're hurting, and he knows your pain, he knows you're hurting, and all of a sudden, he starts setting you up for failure. Now, the first thing I want to do today is look at the right example. Now, you remember <clears throat> the right example in the book of Genesis. The right example is Joseph. Now, Joseph, you will know, he was sold into slavery in Egypt. And, and his brothers sold him into slavery, and <clears throat> we find that he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, verse number 1, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had bought, brought him down thither, and the Lord was with Joseph. And because God was with him, say it together, everybody, he was prosperous. He was a prosperous man. When you have God with you, you are a prosperous person. Amen. The Bible says <clears throat> he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that he, the Lord made all that he do, did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had put into his hand. And he came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not <clears throat> all what he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person. He was what? Well favored. God's favor was on this guy. And watch this. And it came to pass. Now here's, are y'all with me? Here's the days of your life. Here's as the world turns, y'all. Here's general hospital at its best. Are you ready? And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, y'all say it together, lie with me. Hey, can I stop right here and ask y'all a question? Do I have to explain that to anybody? Everybody in here got that. Y'all know what lie with me means? Y'all going in church? Yeah, do y'all know what that means? Can I get an Amen. It means she wanted him to go to bed with her. Here's a woman that's after the guy. She's after him, y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, she's after him. She's after him. I'm going to tell you, it gets terrible, y'all. Are y'all ready? And, and, and she, but he what? Say it with me. He what? He refused. He couldn't do it. He I'm not going to do this. And he said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wrongeth not what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither have he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife. Y'all got to help me here. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? 
And watch this, it's so cool. And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie with her or to be, can I tell y'all this? She, the girl wouldn't leave him alone, y'all. She just keeps on, keeps on, man. Come on, man, come on. Come here, come here. Nobody's here. Come, 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 come here. Come here. Nobody will know. Come on, come on, come on. And me, she's just hounding him. And by the way, are y'all with me? I think she was good looking too. And she's just kind of going, man, come on, man, what's wrong with you? And the Bible says that he wouldn't listen to her or allow her to be with her. Watch this. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went in the house to do his business and there was none of the men in the house. Now watch this. She's going, hey, nobody. Come on, come on. And I'm going to tell you, where you went, she, she, she already got perfume on. She got makeup on. The girl is looking good, y'all. And she's going, come on, nobody's in the house. And the Bible says that in the next verse, watch this. She called him. Are y'all with me? She, the girl grabbed the man. <laughs> she got him by the clothes, y'all. And she's grabbing hold of him going, come home. And saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand. And watch this, Brother Jack is translated, got out of Dodge. He just left, y'all. He's going, I cannot do this, man. I can't do this. Joseph is a great example that you are able to say no. That you're able to say, look, I can't mess this thing up. Remember what I'm about to tell you. Remember what I'm about to tell you. This is so good, y'all. When, when you are in a situation like that, you notice what Joseph did. First of all, write this down. It's not your notes, but it's good. He, he, he respected his authority. He said, man, I've got somebody that trusts me, man. I can't do this to him. But watch this and write this down. Don't ever forget what I'm going to tell you. You can always blame it on God. You can say, I can't do this because God won't let me. Amen. Whenever you're in a situation that you're hurting and you're about to fall victim to that, just listen to me. Just blame it on God. I can't do this and sin against God. Can I get an amen? amen. Do you notice what he did, y'all? Watch this. This will work every time, boys and girls. This will work every time. He took, his, he, took his, he took his eyes off the woman and put his eyes on God. Amen. You know what? When you do that, you'll get a victory in your life. Amen. Amen. Notice what 1 Corinthians says. It says these words. There has no temptation taken you, but which is common to man. In other words, you're not the only person that's ever experienced this. But God is faithful. Can I get an amen? Y'all say that with me, everybody. God is faithful. How many of y'all believe God is faithful? Let's give him praise in this place. He is faithful. And the Bible says he will not suffer you to be tempted above which you're able, that he will, the temptation, he'll make a way to get out of Dodge, y'all. So when you're hurting and the, the devil is chasing you to mess you up, you have the right to say, I can't sin against God. Even though I'm hurting, even though I'm in pain, there's a right way to have a relationship and there's a wrong way to have a relationship. And I've got to set the boundaries up in my life. Look, Joseph no different than the rest of us. He was a guy with some woman saying, hey, come and lie with me. He's going, I can't do it, man. It's not that you're not pretty. It's not that you don't smell good. I just can't do this because my first loyalty is to my God. Can I get an amen? Now let's look at a contrast for a minute. How about the second thing? And that is this, the charm of the inappropriate relationship. Take your Bible and open it up to the book of Judges. Here we got another example. Y'all know this. The charm of the inappropriate relationship. How many of y'all know the devil knows how to charm you? 
He knows how to get you when you are weak. He knows how to do it, y'all. The Bible tells us about old Samson, y'all. Y'all know, y'all know about Samson. Everybody knows about Samson. Raise your hand. Amen. Some of y'all are going, I don't know about Samson. Well, you're about to learn about him. In the book of Judges, chapter 16, and verse number 4, it says, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Shorek, whose name was, say it together. Can I just give y'all some advice? Don't name your girl Delilah. That's just not a good name for your daughter. Her name was Delilah. And the Bible says, The lords of the Philistines came to her and said unto her, Entice him. And see wherein his great strength lies, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give you, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. Now, what do they want to do? They want to find Samson's weakness, and they want to entice him, and they want to bind him to afflict him. See, that's what happens to you. When you're in pain and the devil comes to after you, that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to bind you and afflict you. The Bible says in that next verse, in verse number 6a, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, tell me, I pray you, where's your strength at, Samson? And you know what? She was batting her eyes. She was going, Samson, tell me. I bet she was rubbing his hair. Ball head, whatever it was. She, she's saying, tell me, Samson, tell me. Tell me, Samson. You better tell me, Samson. And then the next verse says, and Delilah, where your strength may be bound to afflict you. And the next verse says, and Delilah said to Samson, behold, you've mocked me. You, you haven't been true for me, Samson. And tell me, Samson. Tell me now, Samson, you better tell, oh, Delilah, you better tell me. And then the next verse goes in, and it says, and she called the name of the Lord that spoke to her, and that God sees me, and, and, and the Bible goes on, and that's not even that verse. The Bible, go to the next verse. The next verse says, and she said unto him, how can, us they say, I, how can you tell me you love me if you won't tell me? Y'all see what's happening here? She's just batting her eyes. She's just charming him, and she's saying, you got to tell me. Can I tell you this? That's how Satan works. He wants to charm you. He wants to charm you to the place that he will destroy your life. Now, I want you to look at the next verse. Thou hast mocked me in these three times. You've not told me where your strength lies, verse 16, and it came to pass, she just kept on pressing him daily with her words so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all of his heart and said unto her, there's not come a razor on my head, for I've been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go for me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all of his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her, brought the money in her hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, Samson, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and he said, watch, I'll go out just like I have at other times and I'll just shake myself and everything's going to be okay. But he didn't know that the Lord had departed from him. You know what happens to us when we're in pain and we're charmed and we, and we give in to stuff? Listen, what happens is we lose the strength of God and we become vulnerable to that sin. And the devil knows how to charm us, to destroy us. And then I want you to notice something else that's profound, the catch of the inappropriate relationship. Now we talked about Joseph that did it right. We talked about Samson that, that fell victim 
But what about when you are caught in the trap? What about that? The catch of the inappropriate relationship. Who could forget David and Bathsheba? Who could forget the story of David when he fell victim to this? And the Bible says in 2 Samuel, beginning in verse number 1 of chapter 11, it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servants with him, and all of Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon but, and besieged Rabbi. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. David was supposed to be on the battlefield, fighting the battle, but he stayed in Jerusalem. The Bible says, and it came to pass in an evening time that David rose up off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Here we got David now. He goes out on the roof of his house, and he looks through Jerusalem, and he notices on the rooftop, here's a woman taking a bath. And she's beautiful to look upon. And, and all of a sudden, now, this is what he says in verse number three. He sent and inquired after the woman. And one said to him, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came into him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house and the woman conceived and sent and told David, watch this, I'm pregnant. Can you imagine the butterflies in his stomach? Can you imagine that moment when he thought, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Now the pain gets worse. Now he sets up to kill the woman's husband, now the baby dies, and it just, it just continues to get worse, and that's what happens. When we run to inappropriate relationships, thinking that we will fix the problem, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. And when you think about David, you find that David now is dealing with the consequences of his sin. And I want to remind you of something. Write this down. Be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure of that. Be sure that it doesn't get better when you do it wrong. So I want to talk to you quickly about the consequences of inappropriate relationships. When you run to the wrong relationship, when you're hurting, and you look at your life and you think, man, this is going to make me better, but you run to the wrong relationship, there's consequences. And I want you to notice in Psalms 32, he says, when I kept silent, my bones whacked over through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, your hand was upon me, and it vexed me. Moisture, my moisture's turned into the drought of summer, Selah. Psalms 38, verse number one says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, neither chasten me in your hot displeasure, for your arrows are sticking into me and your hand presses me sore. There's no soundness, God, in my flesh because of your anger toward me. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over my head. They're a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me to carry. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I'm troubled, I'm bowed low, I, I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with loathsome disease. There's no soundness in my flesh. I'm feeble, I'm sore, broken, I roared all the day long. I, I got a disquieted heart. Lord, all my desires before you. My groaning is not hid from you, God. My heart is panting. My strength is failing me. As for the light of my eyes, it's almost gone. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. When you go to the wrong relationships, it's going to work on your physical body and your mental, your mental capacity, and it's going to be a struggle for you. 
And you're going to say, all I did was I was hurting and I got sucked into this. And there's three things I want you to know about consequences. First of all, there's short-term consequences. When you run to the wrong relationship, there's going to be short-term consequences. The first one is pleasure. You're going to go, wow, I, I got pleasure in that. He told me everything I wanted to hear. She took care of all the needs. Uh, you know, it's pleasurable. I had a blast while it lasts. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And in the short term, there will be pleasure. But you've got to realize that in that inappropriate relationship, it's sin. And, and in that sin, there will be guilt. And when you sin against God in an inappropriate relationship, God will convict you. He will say what you did was wrong. You, 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 the Spirit of God is going to deal with your life and deal with your heart. And God wants to rescue you out of that bad decision. But if you say, I'm going to ignore it, then you will go to the second term or the midterm. And the midterm is when you start blaming. And you will say things like this. You know what? If, if he'd have talked to me, I wouldn't run to the other man. If she would have taken care of me and my needs, I wouldn't have opened myself up to the other woman. If, if, I had a, if, if, I, if I was accepted in school, I wouldn't have married my computer. <laughs> You're going to blame something. You're going to say, you know what, it's not my fault. And what you will do is justify your decision. And you'll try to hide it. And you will try to hide that decision. And that's what you're going to do. You'll try to, you'll try to navigate your life through the midterm. And then there will come the long-term consequences. And the long-term consequences of, a, of an inappropriate relationship always comes to this. What have I done? What have I got myself into? Why did I do that? How did I get here? And people will say, if I could do it over again, I regret this decision. And then exposure. Be sure your sin will find you out. And you will find yourself in that place. And what will happen to you is what you thought would fix your pain has now caused complications and your pains got worse. Because God cannot bless it if it's not ordained of him. You cannot build a house the wrong way. You can't ask God to bless sin. He just won't do that. And you will say, man, I was hurting and I thought I was making the right choice. But man, it's got worse. And, and I want to just get your heart for a minute. Adam, if you'll just come for a second. How do you fix this thing? How do you, whenever you find yourself here, how do you fix it? What's the cure for inappropriate relationships? How do you, and I'm not suggesting that, or I am telling you that probably there's a lot of us in here that if we were to just take the church mask off and, and be real, probably a lot of us would say, man, I've been there. I've done that. And I want you to hear my heart. I'm not here to judge that. Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And most people, when they're hurting, if they don't turn to the right relationship, they'll turn to the wrong one. Then they'll find themselves in a deeper hole. So what's the fix of an inappropriate relationship? There's three things I suggest to you. First of all, confession. You just confess it. And you say to God, God, you know what? I made a bad decision. And I just want to confess my sin to you. And I want to tell you, Lord, that that 
I made the decision. It was wrong. And I need for you to forgive me for that. That's called repentance, which is the second one. I confess it. I repent. And I ask God to have mercy on me wherever I am in life. And I can't change what I've done. I can't go back and undo it. But I can certainly go to my Father that loves me more than I could ever imagine. And I could say to him, like David did, Father, I've sinned against you. And I want you to forgive me for that. And he will. And then thirdly, you get to exchange your rotten life for his new life. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that gives us second chances? How about third chances? How about a gazillion chances? Can I get an amen? amen. And David did that. Psalms 51 verse 1 through 10, he says, God, have mercy on me. According to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my sin. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and Cleanse me from my sin. I acknowledge my sins. My sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. That you might be justified when thou speakest and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity in my mother's womb. When I was conceived, I was conceived as a sinner. But you desire truth in the inward part, God. And the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. I want to be clean, God. And I want you to wash me so that I can be whiter than snow. I need to hear joy and gladness again in my bones, which you've broken. I want them to rejoice again. Don't hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my sins. Create in me a clean heart. And restore a right spirit in me, God. And I want you to think about this. If you will honestly say to God, God, I was hurting. I made some bad choices. And I can't undo that. But I need your mercy. I need you to help me, God. And you'll notice in Psalm 51, he said, I need joy again. I need the joy of the Lord back into my life again, God. Look, I've blown it. I messed it up. But I need joy again. You may say, Brother Jackie, I think I've gone too far. No, you haven't. You haven't gone too far. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is in the book of John. Jesus is uh, on the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came to the temple. Uh, again, to the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he uh, sitting down there and teaching them at the temple. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman. Can you imagine this? He's teaching there, and there's a ton of people there. And these religious leaders that think they got it all together... You know, they're probably in the three-piece suit with cufflinks. And they're bringing this woman in. And she's caught in adultery. Can you imagine how she felt? They're dragging her up to Jesus. And the Bible says when they had set her right in the midst of all those people. Can you imagine this? We're having church today and the doors open up. And all the deacons come dragging this woman in right down here and they set her in the midst of all of us and they say to Jesus, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. We caught her in the very act. Can you imagine how she felt? She was guilty, no doubt about it. She had made a decision to engage in an inappropriate relationship. And she was caught in the very act. And they said, Moses says in the law that we should stone her. But what do you say? 
And they said this tempting him that they might have something to accuse him of, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he hadn't even heard them. Now, people ask, what was he writing? I don't know. But obviously, he was writing something. So here's Jesus. He's teaching. He's expounding Scripture. And here we got these people that know, know Scripture. And they bring this woman in. And they go, you should stone her. What, what are you going to do with this woman? And he kneels down. He starts writing with his finger on the ground. And so they kept on asking him, what are you going to do with this woman? And he said unto them, those of you without sin, why don't you cast the first stone at her? If you think you're so perfect, why don't you be the first person to throw the rock and hit her? And when they heard it, they were convicted. you know why? Because we all have sinned. And you're not any better than anybody else. And where you run to fix your pain may be different than where somebody else runs. But you're no better than they are. You can point your finger at a drug addict and say you shouldn't do that. But what about your stinking independent spirit? What about your isolation? What about how you are involved in an inappropriate relationship? And Jesus was standing there, and the Bible says that everybody began to leave except him and that woman. And Jesus lifted himself up and saw nobody but the woman, and he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Nobody's condemned you here. And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said to her one of the most freeing words that you could ever hear in your life. Neither do I condemn you. You go and you sin no more. What a merciful God that is, y'all. Amen? Now, I know what you may be thinking. Well, Brother Jackie, I sure am glad I'm not one of those people. Really? You, you think that you're okay. You say, well, you know, I've never had an inappropriate relationship. Really? The Bible says if you look on a woman and lust after her in your heart, you committed adultery with her already in your life. And Brother Jackie's paraphrase, if you look on a man and you've lusted after him, you committed adultery with, with him already in your heart. Don't you pull this, I haven't done it trick on me. Because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And we've all dealt with that. And you say, well, you know what? And some of you still got your little church mask on. And you're thinking, no, I'm pretty good with that. I, I've never done that. Well, first of all, you're a liar. No liars get to heaven. But hey, how about this one? You say, I've never, did, I've never even been involved in an inappropriate relationship. Oh, really? How about this one? How about you stopping if you're a Christian? And you would have the audacity to say that you never committed an inappropriate relationship when you were hurting. How many of you understand this? You're supposed to be the bride of Christ. And Jesus is not looking for girlfriends. He's, he's married to a wife. And how about the times when you were not faithful to him? How about the times when you were not loyal to him? And you allowed something else to come into your life. And you begin to love that something else more than you loved him. I think that's an inappropriate relationship. I think it's so inappropriate that because he is the, the, the groom and we're the bride. That every one of us in here would stand indicted before the Lord. That God would look at us like he did those Pharisees and say... Those of you without sin, cast the first stone. Because truth be known, a lot of times when we're hurting, we run to the wrong stuff. And anything that takes the place of God in our life is an inappropriate relationship. And because of that, all of us should be a little convicted. 
that we would say to God, God, you know what? There's been times in my life when I was hurting and I run to the wrong thing. And I'm sorry for that. And God, I need to confess that. And I need to repent. And I need to have an exchange life. I want joy again in my life. You know what? The same God that looked at the woman and said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's the God that will give you a new life too. If you just say to him and be honest and quit the religious stuff and quit the church stuff and just go, God, you know what? Today I'm going to get raw and real. And yeah, I'm kind of guilty with this. So the, the rest of the guys are going to come up. And this is your moment. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'll be the first one to come to the altar today. Because I've been guilty of that. There's been times when I've struggled in my life and ran to the wrong stuff. Ran, you know, there's been times when I haven't been loyal to the Lord the way I should be. And I bet you've been guilty too. So I just want to ask today that you would be honest before the Lord. When we look at our pain, God is a God that will take our pain if we'll give it to Him. I bet you, like me, have been guilty sometimes of running to something that we shouldn't run to to try to fix our pain. But He is the pain taker if we'll give it to Him. So today our ministers are going to come, and I'm going to ask you if you'd like to. Uh, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, this would be a great time for you to do that. We serve a God that gave His Son, Jesus, to die for your sins and for my sins. And you could come today and say to Him, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to be born again. I want to be saved. And God will save you. And that's what these guys are here for, to help you with that decision. Or maybe you're here and you want to join the church. If I was you, I would join the church today. I think it's a great place. If you don't have a church home, we'd love to invite you to come and make this your home. But the altar's open. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? With every head bowed and every eye closed. You go, Brother Jack, I am not going to that altar after that sermon because everybody's going to think I've been messing around. <laughs> well, no, they won't. No, they won't. Because it may not just be that you've been messing around. Maybe you just need to say to God, God, I need to come to you. And I'm sorry that I've let other relationships come before you in my life. And maybe you ought to come and just bow at the altar and have a minute with God. Is there anybody that needs to do that? You just stand and come right now, all of this building. Just stand up and come right now. We're about to stand. This is your moment with God. God bless you, others that need to come. You just come. Take this moment with the Lord. This is your moment. As we all stand together, people are coming. You come. This is your moment. If you're in the middle of the aisle, just say, excuse me, they'll move out of your way. Just come as we sing this song together. Everybody, you come.